Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, boatloads of emails regarding yesterday's show where we covered coronavirus breaking news on that. Tons of emails on that. Quickly want to get to that. The left can't do math. Humiliated themselves again on, <laughs> on MSNBC. I got that. And seriously, I, I don't like to get the hyperbolic language drives me crazy, but Let's just say revelatory new information on the whole Spygate thing that you have maybe heard from the media or maybe not. Don't go anywhere. A loaded Friday show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have the right to privacy. Protect it now at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. And you know it's Friday. I'm, so I'm doing great, Joe's baby. mandatory Friday intro for the show. We love Fridays. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. One of these days I'm going to put it together, a compilation of your best Friday greetings. Folks, again, loaded show. Let me get right to it. Today's show brought to you by buddies at Policy Genius. If there's one thing human beings aren't great at, it's predicting the future. Come on, we all know that. Just take a look around. No amount of crystal balls, fortune cookies, or tea leaves could predict the world we're living in right now. Unpredictability is what keeps life interesting. However, the trick is to enjoy the ride without worrying about what's around the corner. How do we do that? We insure ourselves against these problems. And one way to worry less is to get the right life insurance. That's right. That's where our buddies at Policy Genius can help. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In just minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape for free. For free. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can help you find the right home, auto, and disability insurance, too. So if you haven't found a play-by-play breakdown of the future inside a crystal ball or a cookie, that's okay. Be prepared for anything with life insurance. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. Super easy to use, folks. Policy Genius. We always get the future wrong, unfortunately. You better get life insurance right. Policygenius.com. All right, let's go. Here we go. There we go. So I want to start with this on Friday on a bit of a lighter note on Friday. Uh, MSNBC, uh, ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind, uh, MSNBC and the liberal lunatics over there and the New York Times and the liberal lunatics over there, these are the people who claim to be smarter than us all. They do. They do it all the time. It's obvious. We're the dumb ones. We're the great unwashed. Remember the Rick Wilson thing on CNN? You know, which math and you're reading how Trump uh, supporters and Republicans were generally the conservatives were so stupid. We're a dumb bunch of rubes, I think. We've We've been called rubes, deplorables. What else, Joe? Irredeemables. Uh, I'm, forgive me, folks. Smelly. I'm losing the adjectives and the adverbs. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, silly, dopey, stupid. We've been called <laughs> everything. We're the dumb ones. Yes. The media people, most of whom have never had real jobs, never, they've never had an ounce or a grain of sand or dirt underneath their fingernails ever, have never produced a radio show, have never uh, acted as a carpenter and, 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 and mm. sheetrocked a wall or built a table, have never worked in a factory that produces gavels or sound machines or phones or anything like that. They're the smart ones. We're the stupid ones, right? That's right. We're all the dumb rules. That's right. Now, showing you again how this is 100%, 180 degrees backwards, how the media people, believe me, I've dealt with them. I'm telling you, not all. I don't want to stereotype everyone. There are some bright people out there who do good work. I'm telling you in my experience in the cable news ecosystem, in my experience at other networks other than the one I'm working at now, And in my experience dealing with print and editorial writers, 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm kidding you not. As the as judged by a class of people, they are some of the dumbest people ever meet. I'm not, that's not, it's a fact. They are really this dumb. Where am I going with this? Here is a quick clip on uh, Brian Williams. Remember Brian Williams? He'd been to Jupiter. He's uh, fought in world wars. Remember way the storyteller, Brian Williams, <laughs> yeah. Brian Williams on with a reporter from the New York times, Mara Gay. These are the smart people. I want you to pay particular attention to their math here. They're talking about how much money Michael Bloomberg spent in the election and the equivalent of how much Bloomberg could have given to every American. Uh -huh. Listen to the math. Try not to crack up in absolute hilarity as you listen to this stupidity. Play this cut. But you see it as a possibility if he wants to spend a billion bucks beating this guy, he could do it. Absolutely. Um, somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent 500 million on ads. U.S. population, 327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American one million dollars <laughs> and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does. It does suggest you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. <laughs> oh, gosh, Dan, dude. <laughs> no, that happened. That's a, we did not mess. That's not a doctored clip. That actually happened. These are, remember, we're the deplorable, irredeemable, dopey ones. <laughs> oh, sorry. So just to be clear, Michael Bloomberg Ooh. spent $500 million on his race. Mm. And the reporter and Brian Williams, and the editorial and the bookers and the staff at MSNBC who allowed this on the air are suggesting that Michael Bloomberg's 500 million with that same amount of money, he could give 327 million Americans a million dollars each. <laughs> Where's the fish uh, and the loaf of bread? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, are we missing something? Dude. Ladies and gentlemen, what? All right. I don't want to, but seriously, because I'm going to lose my I mind. Say, I just want to go back to that yeah. movie, Seven Days in Entebbe, which I really loved and critics always pan. And there is a great scene from that movie you have to see. It's about a, a dreadful situation. It's a true story. Hostages were taken by these revolutionaries and they were taken to an airport in Entebbe and hell, the Israelis got them out. Uh, with some uh, some casualties in the process. But having said that, there's a scene where one of the pilots taken hostage by these revolutionaries, basically losers, has to fix some plumbing in the place they're being held because nobody can use the bathroom. So the pilot fixes the plumbing and he's talking to the revolutionary. And at one point he looks up at him in, in, in disdain for this loser. You know, hippie revolutionary terrorist zero. And he says to him, 100 revolutionaries are worth one plumber. 1,000 media revolutionaries are worth one irredeemable deplorable. Check the math. <laughs> I'll take an irredeemable. I know you will. Yeah. I will take one irredeemable deplorable any day for 10,000 of these media losers. What a bunch of morons. Okay, one quick note. I was on last night on Hannity's show. I got a lot of feedback about my appearance. I was asked a number of things. I made the point first about Florida. Florida primaries coming up. Pay very close attention. It's in mid-March. Pay very close attention. Why? 
I'm afraid that the point didn't get across. Paula said it did, but I didn't, I'm not sure in quick sound bites I got it across. Here's why the Florida primary matters. Florida is a swing state, obviously. Florida's presidential primary is separate from all of its other primaries, meaning the congressional candidates, state delegate candidates, they are on a separate ballot later in the year. They are not on the mid-March primary in Florida. I got my ballot in the mail. It was only because I'm a registered Republican, Donald Trump and his loser opponents. That's it. Basically, there's no real tactical reason if you don't want to. I mean, Donald Trump's going to win. I told you, better go out and do it. One, it's your civic duty, but still it sends a message. I'm simply suggesting to you that if the Republicans in a basically uncontested GOP primary where nobody else is on the ballot, your congressional friend you want to vote for isn't there, the state delegate, you're like, he's not there. They're on a later ballot. If Florida Floridians, and please, I'm begging you to do it, show up in droves in mid-March to vote for President Trump for no other reason, he's going to win, other than they love this guy. No reason. They're just doing it because it's the right thing to do when they support the president. And they do it in numbers even remotely comparable to the Democrats who are in a hot, contested primary right now. Biden, Sanders. Watch those numbers. They will portend big, big, huge galactic level problems for the Democrats if those numbers are even close. There's one other point I made too, and I want to be consistent on it. Now, to be fair, because I don't lie to my audience, I did not hear Sean's question right. Sean Hannity asked me last night what I thought the chances of basically a Donald Trump-Biden race, what President Trump's... I didn't hear it that way. I thought he was asking me what Bernie's chances were against Biden. Long and short of it is it doesn't matter. I said 50-50. It doesn't matter because, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to say otherwise. Even if I think President Trump is going to rout Joe Biden, I'm not going to put that out of my show because it does nobody any good. Mm. I can't predict the future, number one. And number two, I don't want anybody believing under any circumstances that this race is in the bag. Biden's weak. Sanders is weak. I know it. I think President Trump is going to win. I'm, I, I'm a big supporter of the president, obviously, and a lot of what he's done for conservatism. We can still do more. But I am never going to put out on the air, oh, it's a route, 90-10. I'm not doing it. Sorry. Some people got mad at me. They emailed me, how can you say President Trump only has a 50-50 chance? Even though I misconstrued the question, I still don't regret saying that because I am not going to be the guy responsible for voter apathy on our side. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm the one begging you to go out and vote in Florida, even though there's really no reason. Trump's going to win. Do it anyway. 50-50, that's it. I'm sticking to it. Sorry. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. No apathy. I'm not making the mistake we made. All right. Um, Moving on. I got a lot to get. This Spygate stuff, I promise you, is going to blow your mind today. So it's going to take me a while. So uh, give me a second to get to that. All right. Uh, I got a lot of emails on yesterday's show. The emails were this. I was talking about the coronavirus mm -hmm. and how a lot of people don't get vaccinated against the flu, despite the fact they know at times it could be a deadly virus. And at times in human history, it's turned into a pandemic. And that my point I was trying to make, which I got across, which a lot of you got, I, I don't want to, but, but the emails were interesting and I read them and they really impacted me. What I was trying to say is, I think the response to Corona, we have not effectively priced the risk of it. And I said, people are going to say, you can't, you know, uh, you put value or cost on a human life. Ladies and gentlemen, people do it all the time to themselves. I'm not going to relitigate yesterday's show. I'm just suggesting to you that people fly on planes and do dangerous things all the time because they put a value on their life. It's more valuable for them to get to California quicker from Florida rather than driving or walking 
because they say to themselves, well, I risked it out and I need to get there and I deem the risk to be low. I'm suggesting to you that I don't think we've appropriately factored in the risk of corona. And I think we, the media has overhyped the risk. The risk is not zero. It's significant. If you're elderly, it can be very deadly. A guy put on my Facebook yesterday some fascinating numbers. There's no question about that. I'm suggesting you is the risk great enough to wipe out the stock market, to stop international travel? I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, some of the emails from people were saying, well, I don't get vaccinated. Your argument's no good because I don't get vaccinated against the flu because I don't believe in vaccines. That's fine. I do. Mm-hmm. And you're making my point, not yours. Yeah. Your point is, I don't believe in vaccines. I think they're risky. I'm not getting a flu vaccine because I would rather get the flu than get a vaccine. That's what you said in your email. I got tons of emails like this. Fine. You have priced the risk on what you think is information that is valid. I get the flu shot every year. I, I use different information. That is perfectly okay. I read your emails. But you're making my point, not yours. My point was that you had the information, you evaluated the risk, vaccine, flu, and made a decision. We don't have that information yet about corona. And I think the information we do have may not be exactly accurate. That was my only point. All right, moving on. Uh, By the way, quick note, CNBC, huge job numbers showing you again, I think the impact to the economy is being overstated here. The risk to the economy. Look at these numbers. CNBC blowout job numbers. Job growth smashes expectations for February. Employment falls back to 3.5%. The job numbers for February, ladies and gentlemen, 273,000 jobs. That is a huge, huge number. Good job, American entrepreneurs, workers, employees. Good for all of you. That's why I buy the dips every time. Again, I'm not your financial advisor. I'm just telling you, I believe in the power of the American worker and the American citizen. I'm on the right side of them every time. Stock market dips. Don't sell me your stocks cheap because I'll buy them. Don't do it. Again, not a financial advice show. You do your thing. Everybody has a different level of risk. I'm just saying. I don't. This nothing's going to stop this economy. Nothing. Not with uh, unless Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. Then it will stop the economy. All right. Let me just get to the second read because this stuff is going to be really super intense. Something came out yesterday, hat tip, undercover Huber, uh, at John W. Huber on Twitter, one of the best accounts out there. If you're not following them on Spygate and our buddy at Technofog too, you're making a huge mistake. They're all over this. All right, before we get to that, Bravo Company, ladies and gentlemen, Bravo Company Manufacturers is one of their great t-shirts, love their t-shirts. What is Bravo Company Manufacturing? Let me tell you what they're not. They produce the finest rifles out there first, but what are they not? They're not a sporting arms company. Now, you don't like to tell people what a company is in, in an advertising, but it's important here. If you're looking for sporting arms, hunting rifles, there's a lot of really fine companies that produce those products. That's not BCM. Bravo Company Manufacturing produces life-saving equipment. That is their company ethos. It's the credo they live by. They're not a sporting arms company. They design, engineer, and manufacture, I can't say this enough, life-saving equipment. Because BCM assumes when a rifle leaves their shop, it's not going to be for hunting deer, folks. It is going to be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, a law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. Quality is all that matters to them. This, they are not manufactured for hunting deer. These are This is life-saving equipment. Every component, every component of BCM rifles hand-assembled and tested by Americans in Heartland, Wisconsin to a life-saving standard. They put people before their products. Folks, I picked mine up at a federal firearms dealer years ago when I was sent two of these, and the guy could not say enough about these rifles. They are some of the best in the business BCM rifles, Bravo Company Manufacturing. 
They have input from top instructors, from people from special forces. They are really great. They build their rifles right here. To learn more about them, go to Bravo Company, MFG.com, where you can discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. Do not buy a rifle or a firearm without going to Bravo Company. <clears throat> Bravo Company, M, like Mary, F like Frank, G.com, Bravo Company, MFG.com. Need more convincing? Check out their YouTube channel. Check it out today, youtube.com slash Bravo Company USA. Okay. Thank you. Always appreciate you supporting our sponsors. So the Spygate drama continues, ladies and gentlemen. Two big breaking stories yesterday, courtesy of uh, Jerry Dunleavy, excellent report over at the Washington Examiner. The courts on the FISA case, the federal courts, I'm sorry to say this, ladies and gentlemen, but continue to embarrass themselves. Now, unlike Chuck Schumer, uh, we don't threaten uh, justices here, who uh, one of the more disgusting stories we've seen in weeks. But we do point out inadequacies in our court system when they fail, and they have been blowing it a lot lately. Obviously, the big fail by the courts, the FISA court specifically, Joe, and the larger story here is what? Is accepting the FBI's word on the dossier and allowing them to spy on the Trump team when it would have been pretty easy to figure out that it was false. Mm -hmm. That's the big fail. But believe it or not, the shortcomings continue. Let's go to these quick stories here. So number one, Jerry Dunleavy of Washington Examiner says, you know, they were looking at some of these court filings and they noticed that one of the judges, Bowsberg, forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong, that they were looking at some of these paperwork and a FISA court headline, Washington Examiner, Jerry Dunleavy, FISA court mistakenly says Fusion GPS was digging up dirt on Hillary Clinton, huh? not Trump. Kind of a big mistake, folks. Kind of. Now, listen, <laughs> could it have been a clerical error? Again, unlike Chuck Schumer, we don't threaten people on this show. I'm uh, willing to give maybe. I don't even know how much of a pass I'm willing to give anybody anymore with this. But let me get this straight. The court documents say Fusion GPS wasn't targeting Trump, but Hillary Clinton, kind of a big error. Now, they fixed it. Don't want to spend too much time on that. Could have been clerical fine. Kind of a big mistake though. Yeah. Like a 180 mistake. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Moving on. Big, huge mistake. Number two, I believe yesterday, Judge Reggie Walton, Washington Examiner piece. I don't know what this is about. Uh, now, I have theories I'm going to keep to myself because I do facts and data until I can prove things. I don't throw out random theories here if I don't have the evidence to back it up. I hope you understand that on my show. Requires a little bit of patience, but that's okay. Another ridiculous story. Again, Jerry Dunleavy, Washington Examiner. All be in the show notes today at Bongino.com, Bongino.com slash newsletter if you'd like to get these show notes emailed to you every morning. Judge questions Attorney General Barr's credibility in handling the Mueller report and may make more public. Ju what? Wait, what? From the Jerry Dunleavy piece. So what, what has Bill Barr said about the Mueller report, which found no evidence of collusion whatsoever and no evidence of obstruction either? No evidence of legal obstruction? None. What did Barr say that the Judge Reggie Walton doesn't agree with? Let's go to the piece. Because this is going to tie into what I think is really going on behind the scenes. You're not going to want to go anywhere. So, uh, quote, Attorney General Barr told Congress on March 24th that Mueller's investigation, quote, did not find the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the election. That is, in fact, true, folks. Nobody disputes that. The Attorney General also said Mueller, quote, did not draw any conclusion one way or the other whether the examined conduct constituted obstruction. That is, in fact, true, too. Mueller sent a letter on March 27th claiming Barr's letter did not fully capture the context, nature, and substance of his investigative work and conclusions. This is all 
We can see the report. We know what was in the report. We know there was no evidence. We know that Mueller himself has, 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 on the obstruction issue, stated to people on the phone, Bill Barr and others, that they hadn't come to a conclusion on obstruction, not because there was, because there was no legal case to make for it. And that it had nothing to do with anything other than the fact that they could not make a legal case for obstruction. Simple as that. Why is Judge Reggie Walton inserting himself in this? So I get more on that. I'll tell you more. But having said that, the courts keep failing us. What is really going on? What are the swampers? What are they terrified about? Well, as many of you know, if you've been listening to the show recently, the FBI just released a cache of 302s. In other words, 302s report summaries of interviews they've conducted with subjects in the Spygate case. And ladies and gentlemen, the information in here is absolutely damning. Now, Paula has a montage because this came out yesterday of the media coverage of this. There was a bombshell dropped in one of the 302s. I want to give a massive hat tip again to at John W. Huber on Twitter and Technofog as well, who have been reading through these things and putting out, if you're not following them, you're missing the whole case. There was a bombshell dropped about the Trump Tower meeting, which has been one of the core criticisms of the Spygate conspirators. Don Trump Jr. met with uh, these Russians at Trump Tower. This was evidence of collusion, obstruction, everything. Yeah, A bombshell was dropped in this. And let's play the montage of the mainstream media, thankfully covering this and exposing the truth once and for all. Um, come on, Paula, get on it. Paula, come on, you're missing. But, uh, no, no, again. Come on, you're messing up my show. You play the... Wait. Oh, 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 there is no montage. There is no montage. Even Joe was confused. <laughs> I didn't tee him up before the show because Joe was like, I don't have video for that, Dan, because there is no video. Paula was kind enough, youtube.com slash Bongino, if you'd like to watch the show, to put a visual of crickets on the screen because that's all you got was crickets. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Sound Generator, dude. Send me an email, Sound Generator, the guy who sent me this. It's actually pretty good. There is no media montage. You haven't heard a word about this. Matter of fact, if you're missing my show today and not following Undercover Huber and Technofog and others, Jeff Carlson, who's been great on this, Jerry Dunleavy and others, Chuck Ross, you missed this whole story. So you may say, all right, we'll get to it there, Daddy-O. What should they be reporting on that they're not? So. I'm going to walk you through this slow. They will not let this collusion hoax go. None of them. They will not let it go. Let's go to number one. FBI 302s are coming out and they are devastating. So I'm going to walk you through this. Here is a photo. The FBI 302 that came out. Forgive me. I should get put the put story out up front. I know sometimes I can be a little bit circuitous, but I want to make sure I set it up. This is a, The denouement here is terrific. They interviewed one of the participants in the June 2016 meeting with Don Trump Jr. at Trump Tower. Remember that mm, meeting? Oh yeah. The Russians met yeah. with Don Jr. for dirt on Hillary. Everybody remembers that, right? Mm. They interviewed one of the participants and the notes of that FBI interview had just come out recently and they are devastating. But before I get to the notes, I want to show you what Mueller knew, knew early about this meeting and still continued to do anyway because Mueller had zero interest in getting to the truth. Hence- uh, some of the spin right now, I believe, coming out of the courts and the left-wing media about the Mueller report. Let's go to headline number one. 
This is the New York Times in their bombshell report from July 8th of 2017. Pay very close attention to the dates. This is the New York Times reporting on that infamous Trump Tower meeting between Don Jr., Paul Manafort, Jared Kushner, and these Russians that were involved in collusion, according to the leftist narrative. That's all you need is the date. We don't need anything else. Headline, New York Times. Trump team met with lawyer linked to Kremlin. Ooh. During campaign, Matapuzo, Adam Goldman, there he is again, Joe. Remember the names? Yeah, baby. Captain Spygate plotter, yeah. Adam Goldman and Joe Becker. Adam Goldman's on every one of these stories. July 8th, 2017. Remember the date. Remember, the media here is trying to tell you not the story, but a story. So on July 8th of 2017, somebody leaks to Spygate plotter Adam Goldman. He's involved in all of this, Goldman. He gets all the scoops, right? Somebody leaks to Goldman. Hey, Don Jr. Remember, this is 2017. The Trump Tower meeting is in 2016, a year earlier. Somebody leaks to them at the New York Times. Hey, Don Jr. met with these Kremlin link attorneys. The story runs on July 8th. What are they trying to get out ahead of? Somebody must get wind who's leaking this story to the New York Times that there's a plan in place to interview the actual participants. Follow me. Mm -hmm. Referee Joe, I need you. Paul, I need you right now too. Hanging with you. Somebody gets wind that they're planning to interview the FBI, the participants in that meeting. And the people who get wind of it, whether it's our intel community at the top, I shouldn't say community, the Brennan, the Brennan nuts at the top, somebody gets wind of that and they know because the meetings happened a year ago, because I'm telling you the meetings are set up. Remember the Russians participating in the Trump Tower meeting in 2016, June of 2016 with mm -hmm. Don Jr. Mm -hmm. are connected to Fusion GPS and Hillary Clinton. The meetings are set up meant to foster the Russian collusion effort. I'm absolutely sure of it. You're listening to the wrong show if you think otherwise. It's a setup. Who was did the setup? That's a story for another show, but it was let's just leave it at the Spygate plotters and people involved with this international intel cabal working to take down Trump. Okay. But the people involved in the setup know nothing happens in the meeting right. because nothing does happen in the meeting. Because Don Jr. and Paul Manafort right away realize this thing is nonsense. They're on their phones and they're sending each other basically texts, get us out of this stupid meeting. Nothing happens. But that's not the story the liberal media wants you to know. As we can see, again, from the headline from the New York Times on July 8th, it leaks that Don Jr. met with this Kremlin link guy. So here we go. The media narrative starts. Why did it start? Because what are they getting in front of? What happens just four days later? Well, now that we have the FBI 302s of the notes of the interviews they conducted, just four days later, they interview the translator at the meeting. A guy by the name of, so forgive me if I'm saying the name wrong, Samachinorf. I probably really screwed that up, but that's okay. You get the point. Four days later, they interview him. These are from undercover uh, Huber's Twitter feed. Look at some of the notes. These are some of his highlights as well. So they interview the translator at the meeting who the liberals told us this is all about collusion. These Russians show up to collude with Don Jr. Look at the date, Joe. Mm. Interview was 7-12-2017. Mm -hmm. Wow. Four days after the New York Times story. Oh, boy. Anatoly Samachinov. Date of birth redacted, telephone number redacted. Was that his residence located here? Interviewed by special agents after being advised of the identity of the interviewing agents and the nature of the interview. 
Samachernov provided the following information. Well, what did Samachernov say? Joe, clearly the translator at this meeting with Don Jr., clearly because we've been hearing forever now from liberal lunatics, Jason Johnson, mm-hmm. David uh, Frum. Remember, I, I debated these nuts at Politicon where they lost their minds because they had no basic grasp of the case. They've been telling us forever at this meeting, this was it, Joe. This is where the collusion thing started. Mm-hmm. So surely Samarchinov, who is the translator at that meeting, this guy definitely told the FBI there was a bunch of collusion, Hillary Clinton stuff going on because we've been told this from the media. That's right. Adam Goldman was teeing us up just four days before this interview. Somebody leaked it to him. Get out ahead of this, man. Well, what did our buddy Sumatra Shazam say? Well, let's see. Let's go to takeaway number two. Clearly, there's evidence of collusion here. We've mm-hmm. only been told this forever. So our buddy... Samachornov, said his name a hundred different ways now, <laughs> could not speak for other occasions, but said there was, wait, no discussion about the 2016 United States presidential election. Paul, am I reading this right? You have better eyesight than me. Actually, you don't, but you're closer to the screen. There was no discussion of the election? Joe, this, is, this can't be. No. Or collusion either. What's going on? Between the Russian government and the Trump campaign? Come on, guys. This can't possibly be. Here, Motley. We've only been told for three years that this Trump Tower meeting was where it all went down. The cookies won in the cookie jar. Motley. Don Jr. was looking for dirt on Hillary. You've been told that, right? Motley. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on, that's at least a double. I think so. That's at least a At least so, sir. Yeah. Yeah. At the minimum of a double, Motley. <laughs> Oh, it gets better. No. You may have to queue up a triple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You may get, keep the Muttley. Keep the Muttley. Yeah, people have been missing Muttley a little bit. I like, I, I like though, how you keep it back a little bit. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I like that on your part. <laughs> you keep it in the, in the bullpen. Bring it in the right. So this guy, Sama Chornoff, says, no, there was no discussion at that meeting about collusion or the election. Wow, that's kind of strange. Uh, it gets better. Let's go to takeaway number two from the FBI's notes. Their notes. Mm-hmm. On their interview. Mm-hmm. This is crazy time here. Oh! Quote, this is, there was no smoking gun, according to Sama Chornoff. There was not a discussion about dirt on Hillary. Sama Chornoff did not think Hillary Clinton was mentioned by name at the meeting. Sama Chornoff had not heard Veselnitskaya say anything about having dirt on Hillary. <laughs> Veselnitskaya did not offer any materials during the meeting, and no papers were exchanged. Additionally, there was no follow-up to the meeting that Sama Chornoff knows about. Mike Flynn, part two. Jeez Louise. You know, holy cow. Folks, the media coverage on this has been tremendous. You've seen (laughs) this, right? Yeah, yeah, right. You've seen the headlines? You've seen them in the mid Joe, I know you've seen them. I I bet your montage you put together this morning was terrific. The media montage. Breaking. Don Trump Jr. meeting had nothing to do with Hillary Clinton, the Russians, or collusion. You've seen those headlines, oh, right? Yeah, I'm tired. Paula, of you seen them? There we go. Thank you. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. Here we go. <laughs> the, 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 Here we go. Let it play. <laughs> very good. Awesome. The cricket's very good. There's the media headline. You've heard all of this, right? Again, if you're not watching the show or covering those excellent reporters on Twitter, you've missed all of this. Yeah. Now, before I get to even more, Sama Chornoff said, which is even more devastating, and what astonishingly Mueller did afterwards, 
you may be asking a question right now. You may be saying, Dan, you're suggest- I'm a little confused. You may be, you may not be, but I'm going to question myself on your behalf. You may say this is a little contradictory. You're suggesting the June 2016 meeting with Don Trump mm. Jr. and Manafort at Trump Tower with these Russians was a setup. But if it was a setup, why did these Russians connected to Hillary and Fusion GPS, that team, why did they not say anything about Hillary? You get where I'm going with this? In other words, yeah. if you're trying to set the Trump team up by pushing these Russians to meet with Don Jr., because okay. you know later you're going to say, look, they colluded with these Russians, then they would have to mention something about Hillary to further the narrative. Why would they not mention anything? Good question. I have the answer for you, and I'm, I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. Because, folks, they didn't have anything on Hillary. They weren't there to give up fake information on Hillary. And if they gave the Trump team fake information on Hillary that was later discovered to be fake because they didn't have anything. They were there to set up Trump. They would have figured out this was a scam. Mm. So what are they, the whole purpose, Mm. you went, again, Joe, referee hat, please. Yeah, yeah. The only purpose for them was to just show up. Yeah. That's it. All they needed for the media story, as you saw from Adam Goldman's headline, Spygate co-conspirator, media, alleged media guy, all they needed was the meeting. Look, they met with these Kremlin link people. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, everybody else fill in the blank. There was no information to be transmitted. They're not going to give them fake information on Hillary. They'll discover right away this whole thing's a setup and BS. So what do they do? They show up and they start talking about adoption. The meeting was the evidence. What was exchanged at the meeting was irrelevant right. because as you'll see in a minute, the Mueller team knows what was exchanged at the meeting was nonsense and ignored it anyway. It's the optics, the optics. That the yeah. meeting happened. Yeah. yeah. Sound bites and snapshots, Thank brother. You, bro. Not just in political campaigns, but in targeting and spying campaigns too. All they needed was the picture of them going in there or the sound bite that, hey, Kremlin link lawyer met with Trump Jr. That's all they had. So Machornoff here, fourth different way I've said his name. He said more. This is the most damning part of this whole thing. Sama Chornoff was not, this is the FBI's own notes, was not particularly fond of Donald Trump Jr., but stated Don Trump Jr.'s account of the meeting with Veselnitskaya as portrayed in recent, recent media reports was accurate. Sama Chornoff concurred with Don Trump's Jr. account of the meeting. He added they were telling the truth. Sama Chornoff told the interviewing agents that he would have contacted the FBI if he thought the meeting was nefarious. Folks, listen, we mess around on the show a lot, okay? I get it. I try to add some kind of, you know, because I don't want to overwhelm you with depressing media all the time. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. A State Department, I haven't even gone into the background on Sama Chornoff. I haven't even got it because really the show would be five hours long. Long and short of it is this. The translator, you may be saying, well, maybe he's quietly a friend to Republicans and that's why he's telling the FBI nothing happened at the meeting. Ladies and gentlemen, he was a State Department translator during the Hillary Clinton era. He's acknowledging to the FBI on the record he doesn't even like Don Trump Jr. He's there at the meeting translating. Nobody has a better account of what's happening at the meeting than him. He is literally the mental machine translating the language back and forth. 
He's telling the FBI, Don Trump Jr. is telling the truth. Nothing happened at the meeting. Quote, there was no smoking gun. He doesn't remember Hillary's name brought up. They didn't talk about collusion or even the election. Where's the media coverage on this? Nowhere. Nowhere. And you still think you're being told the truth by the Pravda-like Adam Goldman, New York Times media? Where have you heard this? <sighs> Folks, this gets worse, shockingly. What does Mueller do? Keep in mind, this is now when this story in the New York Times drops, July 8th of 2017. The FBI interview happens just four days later. And again, I believe the time story drops because people get wind this interview is going to happen. And they know the participants in the meeting said nothing about Hillary. So they're trying to get out in front of the story. Tell the New York Times it was a meeting. That's all we need. They know the Mueller team is going to do what? Suppress the evidence, which is exactly what they did because you've heard nothing about this. Does Mueller go to a mic and say, ladies and gentlemen, this whole case is BS. I'm sorry. But we're dropping this. There's nothing. There's no there there. No, he keeps the investigation going for almost two years. Not only does he keep the investigation going, hat tip Technofog with this great poll. Look what he does, the Mueller team, after reading the account of Sama Chornov, suggesting this meeting was not, quote, nefarious, no discussions of those things we mentioned. Hillary wasn't even brought up. Does the Mueller team go in front of a microphone and say, uh, is this thing on? Dear America, you've been screwed. This is fake. It's a hoax. No. Look what he does. Hat tip Technofog for always looking into the court documents. They issue a search warrant for, quote, communications, records, documents, and other files involving any of the attendees of the June 29th, uh, June 9th, 2016 meeting, excuse me, at Trump Tower, as well as Arison Amin Agalarov, the two people who are alleged to be part of setting up this meeting. Tell me again how we're not living in a functional Democratic-run police state right now. Literally the guy whose butt is in the seat, translating the meeting, who is no friend of John Don Jr., tells the FBI, who relays it to the Mueller team, that nothing nefarious happened at this meeting, no talk of Hillary, no talk of collusion, there is no smoking gun, Don Jr. is telling the truth, and the 2016 election and Hillary Clinton weren't even brought up. And Mueller goes, and instead of, is this thing on, America? He goes out and issues search warrants. And what happens in July of 2017, right when this story leaks to the New York Times? Oh, those of you regular listeners to my show who are really good, you one percenters, know where I'm going with this. July 2017, which I write about extensively in my book, Exonerated. Go pick it up if you missed it. There is a chapter on the Civil War in July of 2017 when all hell breaks loose. Here is another addition to maybe in my next book. You may say I'm confused. What do you mean? What else goes down in July of 2017? So we know in July of 2017 now, Mueller gets wind that, hey, we interviewed the participants in this Trump Tower meeting. There's no there there. I got an idea. Let's double down and get search warrants. Wow, that sounds fair. But folks, let's add another layer of analysis. That tip my buddy 279er to this one. We've got the best sources. What else does Mueller get in July? 
The IG, Inspector General, hands over the Peter Stroke, Lisa Page text, the two FBI investigators, the investigator and the lawyer, who are the lead team investigating Donald Trump this whole time. Their texts about the deplorables, the Walmart people, Oconus lures, the insurance policy, Mueller reads all of this in early July of 2017. Mueller's team knows what? They have nothing. Zero. Not only do they know the Trump Tower meeting and the case is total garbage and a complete hoax, but they know the real case is against the FBI for illegally spying on Donald Trump. So what do they do? They draw up search warrants for all the participants. This is legit Mm. police state Cuba-like stuff here. I'm not messing with you. They draw up search warrants for the participants in a meeting they know is garbage. What else happens in July of 2017? Oh, that's right. George Papadopoulos gets arrested at the airport. Mm -hmm. Coming back from overseas, he gets arrested at Dulles Airport. On a PC arrest, they don't even have a warrant for him. They have to draw it up later. Better shut him up too. Better shut up those participants in that meeting. If America finds out the real scandal are Peter Stroke, Lisa Page, and the FBI targeting a presidential candidate based on a fake dossier, if that gets out, we'll be in real trouble. How do we cover this up? I got an idea. Let's just arrest everybody. What else happens in July of 2017? When Mueller finds out the meeting is garbage and the two investigators in this case are texting each other about what a hoax it is. Well, they leaked the story, somebody in the New York Times, about the meeting. They arrest Papadopoulos. Who else gets an early morning raid at his house? Knock, knock. Who's there? FBI, daddy. Oh, better open the door. Oh, Paul Manafort. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what a coincidence. July of 2017. He gets raided too. Oh, he was a participant in that Trump Tower meeting too. Yeah, the meeting where nothing happened, according to the source in the meeting. Who told the FBI that? We got nothing on the meeting. Let's serve a search warrant on Manafort. Sounds fair. Sure, if you're in North Korea. Who else gets a letter in July of 2017 saying, hey, you may want to talk to us here. We think we've got you on our radar screen. That's right, the Flynn family. Mm -hmm. Oh, Paula with the timeline. We love this timeline. This was our famous July 2017 time. If you want, please go to youtube.com slash Bongino if you want to see this. All of the July stuff. Mueller notified about the text. Manafort's raided. Papadopoulos arrested. Flynn is uh, contacted by the special counsel. Circa.com is a leak about Jim Baker from the FBI. uh, The GOP calls for a second special counsel in July. This is the Civil War. Cohen put under investigation. This is when the Civil... When I say Civil War breaks out, I mean people in the White House must get wind of these texts too. The Trump White House in July of 2017 must have understood somebody in either the Department of Justice or some friend of Trump that they were the victim of the biggest political targeting scandal in American history. Now, even worse, we know now a primary source in the meeting has debunked the Trump Tower meeting was anything criminal or anything even nefarious. His words, not mine. Tells the FBI that. We also know, Mueller knows, based on the stroke text he's reading, that Trump is the real victim here, and he doubles down targets and arrests people anyway, the Mueller probe. What's even more disgusting about this whole case is that the evidence that someone was really colluding with the Russians, not just colluding with the Russians, but Russian disinformation specialists at the highest level of their intelligence chain, was right in front of their eyes 
and they ignored it. Folks, an interview happens between Christopher Steele, the primary believed to be source of the dossier, along with others, if you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. meets with the United States State Department in October of 2016. Remember, Mueller's serving search warrants in July of 2017 based on a collusion thing he unquestionably knows is a hoax. And yet the evidence of the real collusion was sitting right in front of his eyes. Here are the notes from Kathleen Kavalek of the State Department based on her conversation with Christopher Steele, who's providing all this BS information. Steele tells, you can look at her notes right here, tells Kathleen Kavalek of the State Department that back in July of 2016, his sources that he's been using to target Trump were Trebnikov and Surkov. Ladies and gentlemen, Trebnikov was the former head of the Russian SVR, mm-hmm. an intelligence service. This was right in front of Mueller's face the entire time. This is why I'm not so willing anymore to give courts or anyone else the benefit of the doubt on this. You're telling me a judge comes out yesterday and is worried about Barr's interpretation of the Mueller report? Ladies and gentlemen, the Mueller report was so clearly a hoax in and of itself designed to continue to perpetuate the rumor that Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. colluded with the Russians. That the evidence is right in front of your face and you you ignoring it makes you, I'm sorry, an imbecile. It is right there. Mueller knew the whole time two things. That it was actually Hillary Clinton's team that was colluding with Steele, who was using or alleges to be using It doesn't matter. Either way, it should have been investigated. Mm -hmm. On the record had stated he was using Russian intel to target a presidential candidate. It's right there in front of your face. He knew all of this. And he knows the case against Trump is an unquestionable hoax. And Mueller's team did it anyway. Arrested Papadopoulos, arrested Manafort, arrested Mike Flynn. Served search warrants on the participants of this meeting. This is some third world garbage folks it really is this is some third world garbage incredible all right i, I want to go I, I still got to get to some stuff from me showing you again how the media has been a participant in this goldman willingly wrote that story on july 8th despite doing no homework on it at all they have been willing participants in this I've got a, a piece of video after this. It's going to blow your mind. Uh, my final sponsor today is our friends at My Patriot Supply. Folks, listen, this isn't the time to mess around. I ask them to, I, I practically beg them because I believe in preparedness. Please buy some spots this week because this stuff matters. Really, I don't need to sell extra spots. I, I really mean this. Preparedness matters. We ensure everything in our life that matters. We insure our teeth. We insure, we have eyeglass insurance, health insurance, car insurance, home insurance. You have to insure your food supply. Last week, we woke up to this virus story. Cases in Italy, the market lost 3% of its value overnight, wiped out. The warning signs have been there for the last month, and then this thing just exploded. We know that. My Patriot supply has been flooded with orders, obviously, from smart people. You know, candidly, folks, and I'll be honest with you, we get laughed at a lot. Oh, man, Dan Bongino, you know, he advertises. You laugh all you want. I don't care. I will never give up this sponsor because I believe in these people and it is smart. It is dumb to not be prepared. I'm sorry. It is really dumb. You're not. I'm not. I'm telling these media people who make fun of us all the time. 
Go now to preparewithdan.com. Reserve your two-week emergency food kit today. Normally, they ship in two, in two days, excuse me. But as of today, they're projecting two weeks and more. I'm asking you to be patient, but I'm also asking you to be prepared. Again, I don't need the money for this. I buy this stuff myself. I don't even ask them for freebies. I don't. These meals include breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They last up to 25 years in storage. My Patriot Supply is still honoring. They didn't even have to, but they're honoring their 45% off special. <coughs> excuse me. And will ship as fast as they can. Time is running out to prepare. Prepare today. It just is common sense. Don't wait or you face the prospect of some empty shelves, which are already happening in some parts of the world, sadly. Go to preparewithdan.com, preparewithdan.com. Go today, please. It's a smart thing to do. I know that's an ad again, but I'm asking you, please be prepared. You matter to me a lot. What's the worst that can happen? You don't need it? Fine. God forbid you do. Okay. So again, I've, I think I've made the point strongly during this entire segment that the media has been a advocate for the deep state to perpetuate the rumor that the Trump team colluded with the Russians through endless leaks of stories not backed up by any evidence at all. Absolutely. Now, what has been one of the other narratives they've told us, which again, along with the Trump Tower meeting and Trump colluded with the Russians is total bunk garbage. One of the other narratives you've heard is, well, the Russians influenced the election because, Joe, they spent $100,000 in Wisconsin on Facebook ads. The Russians clearly threw the election oh, yeah. for Trump. It is a moronic level 100 on the stupid scale narrative that really, I'm sorry, but you have to have a lack of gray matter to actually functionally believe that. That the Russians impacted the election because of a series of cheesy, barely literate ads they ran in Wisconsin. Molly Hemingway, and I'm going to hat tip Sean Davis too from The Federalist because I actually saw it on Sean Davis's Twitter feed first. But Molly Hemingway was on Fox the other day on Brett Baer's show and brought up this brilliant point about how dumb you have to believe that the Russians bought the election for 100K in barely literate ads, given what just happened with Bloomberg and Steyer. Check this out. I was, was more of a win. scared of down ballot socialism. It wouldn't have worked if the people didn't think that. But I also think it's interesting that Bloomberg is out. You know, we had years where people were saying a couple hundred thousand dollars in barely literate Facebook ads from Russians caused Donald Trump to win. <laughs> Here you had a guy spend nearly a billion dollars and he went nowhere. It's a humiliating defeat for Michael Bloomberg. But, uh, just, just rewind a second. That is a great point. Uh, so Russia influenced the election with $200,000, $300,000 in Facebook ads? If that. And Mike Bloomberg couldn't get more than 50 delegates with and, $600 million. And that hurts Bernie Sanders' message, too, because he likes to say the billionaires control everything. Well, here, clearly, uh, Bloomberg having all this money didn't do as much for him as Biden having the media and the establishment behind him did. I would pick media and establishment over well, what he's getting upset about is brilliant. I don't know who thought of it first, Sean or Mike. It doesn't matter. They, they both work together anyway. But both of you, huge, enormous hat tip. Michael Bloomberg spends a half a billion dollars. Remember, he gave every American a million dollars, according to Brian Williams at MSNBC. Yeah, simple math. He spends a half a billion dollars to be the governor of American Samoa, where he gets one delegate. Half a billion dollars gets wrecked on Super Tuesday. And you're suggesting to me that, a, what, $100,000 buy in Wisconsin through the whole 2016 election? Folks, I'm real. I'm, I'm, please seek help if you believe that. I'm serious. Please seek help because you're living in an alternative reality 
you may need psychoactive drugs to clear you of your clear delusion. But that's the media spin. It's been for years. Oh, the Russians bought the election. Sure. More media spin. The New York Times wanted to get to this yesterday, but it was a loaded show. Loaded show today, too. New York Times put out a story yesterday. What are they trying to get ahead of here? There's <laughs> always a reason. If you believe this is journalism, again, go to the same psychiatrist I just suggested the other gentlemen go and ladies go to who believe that the Russians bought the election. New York Times. Court bans agents who botched Carter Page surveillance from seeking wiretaps. Okay, well, what's the story? And again, what's the real story? Why is the New York Times putting this out there? I'll get to a screenshot in a moment from this. Let me just get to the point. The FISA court has now temporarily banned the agents involved in the Carter Page FISA warrant, which was basically a, a vehicle to spy on the Trump team, right? As you know from my interview with Carter Page at CPAC, if you listen to it, it's on my YouTube channel. They banned them from going to court for FISA warrants for the for the near future. Now, folks, as, as a former Fed myself, that is devastating. Now, it's not enough. I, now, please don't even, yeah, it's, not, it's not enough. The people should be prosecuted, period, full stop. I'm just telling you that it's you're pretty much done as an agent. You're done. Your only purpose as an agent is to go into court and testify as an affiant mm. on warrants. If you can't do it because you've been banned, you're done. You're finished. You're useless. You're going to, these guys should be fired. Many of them should be prosecuted. But I'm telling you, their career, at least temporarily here, is over. So why is the New York Times reporting this? It's a story, obviously, that reflects positively on the Trump team and Carter Page. Look, these FBI agents are being sanctioned right now. Why are they writing this? Oh, there's always a reason. <laughs> and I'm always the guy to give it to you. Because they're trying to set up the narrative already, Joe, that this isn't a systemic problem at the FBI lying to spy on political candidates <laughs> for Hillary. It's just a couple of dudes and they've already been sanctioned. So no need. Bye-bye now. You know, you know, really condescending people who do that thing. Go, 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 go away. <laughs> Bye-bye now. See ya. Oh. No investigation needed here, folks. The verdict is in. It was just a couple of low-level guys. It's not systemic. Let's renew FISA authority, renew the Patriot Act, keep up the political spying because don't you worry. It was just a couple of guys at the bottom. That's the real reason they wrote the story. Trust me on that one. It has nothing to do with exposing FBI agents who lied to the FISA court. It has everything to do with telling you, don't worry, isolated problem here. Let's go to the New York Times piece to show you how, again, they can never, ever tell you the truth. We're here to expose these lunatics. They're talking about Michael Horowitz, the inspector general who investigated this. They say, well, Horowitz did not find evidence to confirm Republican conspiracy theories that the Russia investigation and surveillance of Mr. Page were a high-level plot to sabotage Mr. Trump for political reasons. Really? Really? So that's what he said. Whoa. <laughs> that's what he said. So the New York Times is reporting that as a Republican conspiracy theory, just to be, he goes on in the next sentence, by the way, to suggest that this, uh, that the Judge Bosberg, conveniently the same judge who screwed up that other thing we talked about in the beginning of the show, that they're just disciplining these guys. Again, the, the narrative, don't worry, it's just these small guys. But what's important there, and the takeaway I wanted you to get is not just that they're disciplining this small crew, isolated problem, Joe. Whew, nothing to worry about mm. here. Also, pay no attention to Republican conspiracy theories that this attack by these FBI personnel on President Trump through their spying operation 
it's a conspiracy theory that this was politically motivated. It is. Horowitz said that? Remember, this is supposed to be a journalism outfit, the New York Slime. Yeah. This is supposed to be legitimate journal. They're, I mean, we all know they're not. But there are shockingly still very, very small, but small portions of America that believe the New York Times is anything other than a left-wing conspiracy blog. So according to the New York Times, Horowitz has clearly dispelled Republican conspiracy, conspiracy theories, air quotes, that the attack on President Trump through the spying operation Spygate was politically motivated. Okay, well, let's go to the video. What exactly did Michael Horowitz say? Did he say it definitely was not? Joe, he must have said that, right? I'm just following the New York yeah. Times' logic as the audience referee. He must have. It's a conspiracy well, theory. Yeah. So according to the journalists at the New York Times, Charlie Savage, right. uh, you know, fake news specialist, obviously, mm -hmm. Horowitz has thrown that in the garbage and has no evidence at all that there was political motivation to target Donald Trump. Okay, let's listen to Michael Horowitz himself. In January 2017, <clears throat> when they figure out the primary subsource and they talk to the to the Russian guy that provided still all the information, what should the FBI have done at that moment? Two things. Reconsidered internally where things stood and, most importantly, told the lawyers at the Justice Department who they were asking to help them get a FISA. And there are five people in that interview, right? Correct. Okay. Are you going to make sure those five people are known to the higher-ups? They are all part of the referral that I mentioned earlier. Okay. Did they have a duty to report to their supervisors and eventually to the court exculpatory information? Absolutely. They did not? They did not. Why? That's the question um, I can't specifically answer for you. Can you say it wasn't because of political bias? I'm on decisions regarding those FISA matters. I do not know okay. their state of mind at this point. So we're talking about actions now and trying to figure out what would motivate people. Again, I... I, I Listen, I get it. I'm just a former Fed, former candidate. I, 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 I you know, I, I understand. I don't run a major newspaper. I'm not Jeff Bezos. I can't buy the Washington Post. I can't buy the Wall Street Journal. I get it. I'm, I'm just, just one dude here. But how hard was it for Charlie Savage of the New York Times in his story to quote Horowitz himself rather than just make something up? The answer is it's not hard. That clip is not hard to find. I'm, I'm kid you not when I tell you I went to Twitter and it took me under five minutes to find that. I'm, I, I'm being even generous at that. Honestly, it probably took 30 seconds, but I'm trying to be fair to alleged journalist Charlie Savage, who's claiming that there's no evidence of political bias and it's a conspiracy theory. That is not what Horowitz said. He was asked directly by Lindsey Graham. When the FBI agents found out they had information, exculpatory information, in other words, information the Trump team was innocent mm -hmm. of all of these charges, why didn't they tell the court that? Lindsey Graham says, can you eliminate political bias as a reason? Horowitz, I can't. But for you reading the New York Times, a left-wing activist blog, no more, it's not journalism. Stop telling me I'm... You have no evidence whatsoever the New York Times does any journalism at all. It is not journalism. It's opinion. It's blogging. It's lies. It's not journalism. They could have found that cut in two seconds and indicated in the piece. And it would, it would have been fair to say, although political bias by Horowitz hasn't been confirmed, it has not been eliminated as a motive. They could have done that. Yeah. And they didn't. They called it a Republican conspiracy theory. 
because it's a fake newspaper. It's not real news. It's all fake. I know liberals listening to this show, whether it's on KBC radio, listening on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, or whatever. I know this bothers you. I know you're pulling your hair out and you're raging at me right now. Oh, but I can't believe me. I get your dopey emails and your threats. I get them all the time. You can, why do you rage at me? You rage at me because you know you're living a lie, because you know what I said is true. All you had to do in your fake newspapers was quote Horowitz directly, but you refused. You made up a lie about what Horowitz said and called it a Republican conspiracy theory because you're liars. And I just proved it to you by playing Horowitz himself. And it drives you wild because you're all liars. You're conspiracy theory promoting lunatics and it drives you nuts because you've had to have a moment of self-reflecting where you've looked in the mirror and you don't like what you see. You're bothered by yourself. You are. You're troubled that you live lives that are lies. You want higher taxes for everyone else, but you do everything to pay your account and to avoid paying higher taxes yourself. You donate no extra money to the government. You claim you hate school choice because you're in bed with unions, and yet you send your kids to elite private schools. You say you want government-run health care, yet when your health care is a threat, you go crazy because you're a fraud. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm not talking to all Democrats. I'm talking to liberals. Your lives are a lie. It bothers you. You look at your kids in shame. Oh, that's painful. It is true. You're a liar. The Trump Tower meeting was devastating. It was. It's funny because the guy who was there said it wasn't. Oh, the FBI must be lying about that. I thought you loved the FBI when they were targeting Trump. Horowitz said there was no political motivation. I just played Horowitz. Your life is a lie. You're a liar. Nothing you say has any authenticity or veracity to it. You're a living a lie. And it's embarrassing. And you live in shame. And that's why you're so angry and violent. That's why you go to these college campuses and you rip up pro-life tables down. Because you can't accept the fact that what you're doing is involved in the termination of human life. It bothers you. I've seen abortion, pro-abortion, pro protest. I don't go up and rip their tables down. I walk by and say, you're wrong. Have a nice day. Because I'm not angry at myself, but you are. Your entire life is a hypocritical, phony, fraudulent lie. Everything, everything about you is fake. And I'm sorry to give you the bad news. And I'm sorry you're hurting inside because of it. And I'm genuinely sorry this is happening to you. But maybe one day you'll have an awakening. Don't ever forget. I'll take 100 liberal revolutionaries, to quote the pilot in the movie. 100's worth one plumber. They're not living a lie. Their life is as honest as it gets. I'll see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.